Great. Why don't you open your Bible at, at uh, Acts chapter 13? I'm going to finish tonight what I've started. Sorry I wasn't here last week. I was with a group of Indians. We had a great time, some good miracles, and people getting filled with the Holy Ghost. It was great. So we've been sharing a series on uh, the making of a king, the making of a king. And the Bible tells us that we are kings, that we have an area God wants us to have dominion over. And you saw coming up, for some of you, that area of dominion will be your money. You can't get dominion over your money. Forget about the world. <laughs> it ain't going to happen. So uh, we, we're called to be kings, to have dominion. That was your design for that. Your design for dominion. You're designed to actually express the life of God and to bring the values, the life, and the victory of heaven into the earth, to take dominion. There's no place in the kingdom of God for people who are passive, who are victims in their thinking, who are waiting for something to happen. God calls you to connect with him, arise, and begin to advance his interests in the earth. And uh, we've been looking at the life of David. Let's just pick up a couple of verses about him in the New Testament. Then we'll go back and finish our story with him in the Old. Acts chapter 13, it says, uh, verse 22, when he had removed Saul, he raised up David as a king. He raised up for them David as a king, to whom he gave this testimony, saying, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. So we see the first thing about David was... He was raised up by God. He said, he's a man after my own heart. He was a man with a passion to know God, a passionate uh, desire to know what God is like. A lot of people know about God, different knowing about God to actually knowing him personally. He can be known as you search the word of God. If you were to read the Bible and begin to start to find and look up the word delight and desire and start to have a look around and find what the Lord delights in and what he desires, you'd be quite amazed what you can find out about him. You know there's things he loves, things he hates. If you want to walk with the Lord, begin to discover what he loves and love that. Begin to hate what he hates. And you'll begin to start to find your fellowship with the Lord increases. You are starting to become more like him in your thinking and the way you run your life. There are some things God really loves. He delights in mercy, delights in justice, delights in things being done right. There's things he hates, a proud look, a lying tongue. Someone who sows discord. Things that God loves, things he hates. And David had a heart to discover what God desired. He had a passionate heart for God. Notice what it says that God said of him, I've raised him up for them. So David was raised up not just so he could be a great man, but he was raised up for a purpose. And we see that a little bit down the line in uh, one of the verses in Acts 13 where it says, after David had served his generation, verse 36 after he, David served his generation by the will of God. So we see then two things about David. Number one, he had a passionate desire to know and to walk with God. That was the driving force behind his greatness. The second thing was he was committed to serve his generation. He was committed to do something with what he had. If you're going to walk with God, it will always be he will raise you up for someone else. The call of God on your life it's not for you. You are called to represent God, to, ha- to touch the lives of people. So when God raises you up and gives you a role, a gifting or whatever, it's not for you. It's you are to bring that to touch the lives of people. So everything that God gives us somehow overflows to be a blessing and a benefit to people. We must not only build the vertical dimension of our love for God, we actually have to have a heart to be able to serve the people that are around us to bring God to them. The key problem in Saul's failure as a king, think about this. God did not hate him. God loved him. God gave him opportunities. 
The problem with Saul was he never actually found out what, delighted in, what God delighted in. He just, in many ways, just listened to what people want, and he feared how people thought about him. And so he lived his life subject to the pressures of people around him, and he disqualified himself from a great role. And we see him now, and we think of Saul, we think of him as a man who failed. But actually, he was a person anointed by the Spirit of God, raised up. He could have been a great king. He just chose a wrong path. David was a man after the heart of God, and so David's journey was a little different. Saul got promoted quickly. David actually just allowed God to bring him forward. One of the challenges in your life is to build an intimate relationship with the Lord, begin to set goals based on what you know in your heart God is showing you, and then let God get you there. You don't have to walk over people to get there. You don't have to tramp people down to get where you need to get. If God has called you to something, He is able to get you there. And that's the thing you see in the heart of David. Now, we've looked at uh, several instances in David's life. We looked at some different seasons in his life. We look where he was in. First of all, he was in Bethlehem where he was unseen. That was up to the age of 17. While he was in the place where he was unseen, he was learning how to be responsible for little things. He was learning how to build a relationship with the Lord, and he faced some challenges there when no one saw him. That's the season many of the young people are in right now. The season when you're young, this is the time to be building a relationship with God. This is the time to be worshiping Him, getting to know Him, getting to hear His voice. This is the time to just be faithful in the small things you have. Keep your eye on just doing small things well. You have a little task, do it well. You have a little job to be given, do it well. And God will be watching the little things that you do. You are preparing yourself for your next season. And uh, very, very important. So think about it. Don't worry about all that's ahead. One of the things that young people tend to want to do is when they're at school, they're thinking of how quick I can get out of here and into the workplace. Listen, you've got all the rest of your life to work. The season you're in now, do the very best you can. One of the things that happened to David when he was in that season unseen, he developed his skill. You have some skills. Develop your skills. Pay money. Invest in your skills being developed. You see, when the time came for him to come forward, he was called forward, not because he promoted himself, but because someone said, I know a man, and he's really skillful in music. He developed an ability there. He's also very anointed with the Holy Spirit. He's also very wise. He's also got a fighting spirit. I've heard how he's fought these battles. I've heard how he tackled a lion, tackled a bear. See, he had a reputation established at 17. I wonder how many people here are 17 or under? Okay, that's quite a few of you there. How many are over 17 there? That's all the rest. All righty then. Okay, well, at 17, people already know what you're like. You've established a reputation for something. If I was to go around your friends and ask, what are you known for? What would you be known for? What would you be known for? If I mention your name, oh, yes. What would they say about you? See, they will be saying about you, what they'll say about you on the most part will reflect what you've been doing with your life. Right now you're preparing for your future. Don't waste this time. So that was a place of preparation, a place of small things. Don't think about challenging Goliaths in the land and doing great things for God unless you're willing to tackle the small things in your personal life. For some of you, it might be just the managing of your money. It's a giant to beat. It's a lion that will try and intimidate you. Beat that thing. Begin to establish mastery over your money, learn how to save, learn how to give, learn how to invest. Do it when you're young. Guarantee when you get old, you'll have a heap of money. 
Start when you're young. Don't wait till you're older. Oh, I haven't got much. Listen, it's not the much that counts. It's what you're doing with the little. You've got to start with the little and work with the little. So he saw Bethlehem was that place where, uh, of unseen place then. He was noticed. He went to a place called Gibeah where he was uh, recognized and promoted. And we found he had some lessons to learn in that season as well. And we noticed when we saw David, we found he was able to be in the court of a king and he'd go back to the place there by the uh, shepherding the sheep out of sight. He could move from the highest place to the lowest place and no problem to him. Some people can't do that because they want everyone to notice they're in the highest place. Their identity is about having a position. David could be here, could be there. He didn't worry what anyone thought of him or how it looked. His heart was, I just want to please God because he's going to look after me, take me where he wants me to go. So he could move in and out of serving and promotion just like that. You could imagine the attitude he could have had as a young man. Listen, to me, listen. he could have talked to his brothers and said, oh, hey, I'm in the court of the king now. <laughs> Who's the big fella now? Okay? But he never did. There was no sign of that attitude. He was able to shift from being in the court of a king and going down and serving the lowest job in his home and family. Are you too big to do the lowest job? <laughs> You're too small to be a king. Think about it. Greatness is seen in the small things, ability to do the small things. And we saw he went from there to the cave of Adullam. He had a season of promotion, then he was rejected. Adullam was the place of rejection and injustice, where he was treated terribly unjustly, uh, pushed around, he was chased down, he was treated like a criminal. But it was a place where he had to deal with injustice and rejection. Are you still hurting inside because of how you've been treated? Are you still angry about how people have treated you? you ha- you're still in your cave of Adullam trying to get to grips with what's happened. In the place of Adullam, he was able to touch God and let go of the hurt and the anger and the bitterness and begin to develop a life with God that prepared him to take on and be responsible for a whole nation. Cave of Adullam, that place where you're chased and things aren't going well, it looks like you've been treated badly, is also the place of preparation for your next season in life. Then we saw he went to, the next place was with Ziklag. He'd had a season of tremendous success. He was starting to grow. People were starting to come to him. And then he had a devastating problem. He had a devastating failure. What do you do when you have a failure? What do you do when everything around your world goes wrong? Well, you'll do what you do most of the time. And David did what he did most of the time. He went to the Lord. He went straight into the Lord. He got divine direction. And as a result of that, he got a strategy. He not only got back everything, but he actually got back more than that. And he was in a position to bless multitudes of people. Your disasters, your places of disappointment are stepping stones to your next enlargement. Your places of disappointment are stepping stones to your enlargement or they're places that cause you to become bitter. You choose. So we see these things and each one of these areas, of course, we could uh, explain quite a bit about. I want to just pick up the last one now in 2 Samuel chapter 2. So <clears throat> we're not trying to look too much at uh, all the things that happened. We're trying to look at uh, what was going on in David's life, the kind of heart he had. And uh, there's a lot more could be shared, but I'm just going to draw it in this last session here with us. And uh, let's go on to ta- Samuel chapter 2. Now what's happened? David has been anointed king. Saul, the current king, has fallen in battle. He's been totally defeated. And now David, notice what it says. Just going to read a few verses here in chapter 2. It happened after this. After what? After Saul's death. David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to any of the cities of Judah? And the Lord said to him, Go up. And David said, Where shall I go up? And he said, To Hebron. And he went up there with his two wives. 
In verse 3, David brought up the men who were with him, every man with his household, and they dwelt in the cities of Hebron. Verse 4, Then the men of Judah came, and they appointed David king over the house of of Judah. And they told David, saying, The men of Jabesh-Gilead were the ones who buried Saul. So David sent messengers to the men of Jabesh-Gilead. You are blessed of the Lord. You have shown this kindness to your Lord, to Saul, and have buried him. Now may the Lord show you kindness and truth to you, and I will repay you for this kindness because you have done this thing. Now strengthen it. Your hands be strengthened and be valiant. Your master Saul is dead, and also the house of Judah has anointed me to be king over them. One of the first things you see here is that David is in a position where he could just, there's a, there's a leadership vacuum. He could immediately just rise up and take this role. Here's the first thing David did. It's the same thing he did all the time. He inquired of the Lord what to do next. When opportunities come to you, do you take time to go and talk to the Lord about the opportunity? Do you ask him what you should do? David inquired of the Lord. He didn't just pray a prayer. He expected God to actually speak to him and direct him. He expected that God would show him what he wanted to do and give him the plan for it. If you follow David's life, you'll find one thing is consistent in his life. He inquired of the Lord. He went, he didn't just go and pray. He didn't just go and tell God what his problems were. He actually asked questions with the expectation God would speak back to him. Many times in our prayer life, what we do is we tend to pray to God or commit things to him And we never stop and take time to await quietly and in a still place till you can hear his voice. He is interested in the affairs of your life. He's interested in the struggles you have. He's interested in the decisions you have to make. But he wants to actually give you confidence in making the decisions by speaking to you. But you've got to take time to listen. Many times I've found we tend to just talk at God and not take the time to just stop. Lord, what do you want me to do? what should I do? I can remember being at a crossroads in my life and asking the Lord, Lord, what should I do? And he replied. How did he reply? I just spent time reading the scripture and a scripture lit up to me and it was like a direct answer to the question. So God can speak to you just by raising a scripture up and you just know that that is a clear word and answer from the Lord. Or he may just speak into your heart and as you just wait on him, He begins to talk to you and begins to tell what he wants. I found many Christians tend to approach their walk with God, here's my plan, Lord, bless my plan. It's true we should plan, but it's also true we need to come with our plans before the Lord and ask him. God had a plan for David to make him a king. David's question is this, should I arise and seize this now, or what would you have me to do? What do you want me to do? David said, and the Lord said to him, I don't want you to be the king over the nation right yet. I want you just to take one little bit and grow one little bit. Isn't it interesting? We tend to want to take on the whole world, but God will just take us bit by bit. He said, take one tribe, the tribe of Judah, the tribe of praise, the place of origin, where you come from. Begin to work in that area first. So the first thing we see there is he was able to resist pressures because he listened to the Lord. When you look at David in battle, before he went to a battle, Lord, what do I do? How do you want me to approach this? You know, if you lack wisdom for decisions, ask the Lord to show you. But then take enough time that you can actually wait on him to give you an answer. What happens is we pray and go and do what we're going to do anyway, rather than pray and just give God room to give you an answer. It may take a couple of days, may take a little longer. Give God room to give you an answer. Many times 
uh, people have come to me and uh, they've asked about this and that, and I see they've already made up their mind. So I just say, well, it's okay, go do it then. They've already made their mind up. They actually haven't come for any counsel, any advice. They haven't come to really ask what God wants. They just have made up their mind. They just want me to disagree with them. How much different if a person comes and they can they lay their plans down and say, I'm feeling this. What do you feel about this? What do you think about this? One of the ways God talks to us is directly. Another way he talks is through the counsel of people who have wisdom. If you have something you're wanting to do, why don't you talk to someone who's a Christian or got, got some kind of experience behind them, who's successful in that area, and ask them to give you advice and counsel. Why don't you ask someone to show you what to do, to help you with your decision? You may have the broad plan, this is where I want to go, but I need someone to help me with those decisions. God can speak through the Bible. He can speak directly. He can also speak through a person with wisdom. But if you're wanting an answer or direction in your life, do not go to the crowd. Go to someone who has a track record of success in their life. Talk to them. Ask them. See, think about this. See, a lot of people are running around to all kinds of stuff. I have uh, had, remember one young person came to me. And they asked, uh, what do you think I should do this coming year? Should I go to university or should I stay here? And I said, give me a chance to think about it. I said, no, I think you should stay here for one more year. And the person went off to university anyway because they felt they wanted to get in. And then what happened was they had not been prepared properly for it, just like I told them. You're not ready for that yet. Just stay and become consolidated. Get some money behind you. Begin to get a track record of working and serving. Then you'll be ready. But they didn't. They went ahead. And what happened was their whole life was turned over and they came back with failure around them. It took about two, three years to get over that. Isn't that amazing, eh? If they just listened to God's advice at the right time, they would have saved a two, year, two three, four-year cycle with all the problems that went with it. How better it is if we listen. David inquired of the Lord. He had a heart to ask and seek God for what to do. Think about that. Jesus constantly looked for direction himself. Uh, there's, a, there's a situation in Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, where Jesus had tremendous crowds around him, all kinds of miracles were there. He rose early in the morning, and the Father said, I don't want you to stay here with us, I want you to move on. He said, this is what I have as your purpose. And the crowds came and they said, Jesus, why don't you just stay here? Well, it's so good, and things that are happening. He said, no, I must fulfill my purpose. I've got to go to other cities. So one of the things that will keep you on track is having a clear purpose where my life is going, some kind of plan to get there, and continually consulting the Lord, just where do I go, what do I do? Lord, show me now at this point what I should do. Think about that. Do you have clear plans? Young people, if I was to ask you, have you got any kind of ideas where you're going or what you're going to do? Think about it if you haven't. A person who's got no clear plan will be drifting and be unaware of what's coming and taking away their time and life. So the first thing is, he, had inquire, he inquired of the Lord. He had a heart to ask after God. Now I want you to show you some other things here which shows David's heart. Remember, now he's in a place of being promoted. The next thing you see about him is he showed personal care, not only to his family, but to those who helped him. Look there in verse uh, 2 and 3, and you see not only did he look after his wife and family, but he also looked after the men who were with him. He made provision for them. So one of the things that was in David's heart, he had a, a, not only a heart to seek God, but he also had a heart to care for the people who were around him, to ensure that they were provided for, to ensure that they got blessed. 
Today, often you find with ambitious people, what they want to do is walk on everyone to get where they want to get, and they have no sense of caring for the ones around them who are a part of it. There's no one really makes it on their own. Always there's people help you. So what is your attitude to the people around you that are helping you move forward in your life? Have you identified the people who are supporting you, helping you? Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's both parents. Maybe you have some friends. Maybe there's a youth leader. Maybe there's someone around you that's being a support and a help. What is your attitude to them? Do you appreciate them? Do you speak to them and express your appreciation? David was a person who not only loved God, but he also valued the people around him and appreciated them. How regularly do you stop to think who is helping you or who has helped you to get where you've got? Have you ever thought back in your life, who actually helped me get where I am? Did someone make an investment in my life that's helped me move to where I am? Did you stop and thank them? Did you stop and bless them? Did you stop and give them something that acknowledged, you helped me get where I got? Young people think about youth leaders that help you and sow their life, their energy, and their time. It's a very difficult, challenging thing being a youth leader. The reason it's challenging is because young people are so up and down, and today they're this, and tomorrow they're something else. They're unstable in the course. You can't always rely on them. And often they'll just use everything you've got and then take you for granted and walk away. And that's what makes it really hard for someone working with youth. That's why it's quite uh, challenging for people to take on ministering and working with young people. So how many times have you stopped to look at the people who helped you, counseled you, gave advice to you, and actually stopped to thank them, appreciate them, and make room for them in your life? To write a note and say, thank you, it meant so much when you did this. Maybe you've had kids' church leaders, and they've invested in you, and you know you are where you are because of what they did. Perhaps you're an adult, and you realize as you look back, there were two or three people in your life that helped you, they were with you, they supported you, they enabled you to get where you are. Did you ever stop to write to them and thank them and appreciate them? Have you made any provision to bless them for what they've done for your life? This is the heart of David. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 6, I think verse 12, it says, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love in that you minister to the saints and continue to minister. So get this. God says it's actually unrighteous to forget when people do good. If people do good and you just don't acknowledge it and you forget it, that's actually unrighteous. It's wrong. It's just minimizing them, devaluing them, taking them for granted. How often do we just take for granted what people do for us instead of actually blessing them and thanking them and appreciating them and expressing that in some kind of way. What David did was he actually provided financially for the people who had blessed him and helped him. He gave a financial gift. He actually helped them. He was always like that. He continued to do that. Even at Ziklag, when he received and got tremendous wealth as a result of standing up, hearing God, and coming into a place of victory, what happened was after that, he gave gifts to everyone who'd been his supporters. That's the heart of David. Are you that kind of person? Or you just look to get something out of people? And uh, I've seen this over the years in, 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 the, in the church among Christians. So many of them have still got the mentality of the world. That they'll come and what they really want is they want to draw what they can get so they can get ahead. And then the moment they've got it, then they forget you and walk away. They're looking for someone else to get them ahead again further. This is unrighteous. This is exploitation of people. It's, it's lacking honor and value for the people that position and help us in our life. Oh, everyone's all quiet about that. Well, think about that. 
How many people? What about what your parents have done? If you stop for a while to honor your parents and to honor them for what they've done, what they've contributed, to actually think about the sacrifice, what it cost them to do what they've done, and begin to just find ways to express the appreciation. Maybe a gift, maybe a written note. Think of what, what would really make the difference. Well, think about this. This is the heart of David. This is the kind of person he was. He never forgot the good that people did to him. Never forgot it. There was something about him that just actually always appreciated and valued the people that he had around him. Notice here uh, in verse, uh, let's go down there in verse uh, 5 and 6. David sent messages to the men of Jabesh Gilead and said to them, You are blessed of the Lord for you have shown this kindness to your Lord to Saul and have buried him. And now may the Lord show you kindness and truth to you, and I will also repay you this kindness. Now get this. What, he, what had happened was, now Saul, remember King Saul was his enemy. King Saul's son Jonathan was his friend. And Saul and his sons died on the battlefield, and they chopped off their heads and hung them up on a wall. The men of Jabesh Gilead went in the middle of the night, took the bodies down, took them back, and gave them a proper burial. And this is what David had to say. Because you did this thing, he said, may the Lord show his blessing upon you. He said, I will repay you for it too. So you see his heart. His heart is to actually bless people and show kindness to people who act honorably. Do you actually acknowledge people who do what's right? Do you acknowledge people who act honorably, who do the right thing? Quite a challenge to do that. When you see a young person make a stand, maybe an unpopular stand, do you actually go up and encourage them and speak into them, man, I really was inspired by what you did. That really was wonderful. Here, here's just something to encourage you. See, this is the kind of person that David was. We tend to see his battles and his victories and how he became a king and changed a nation. We see him as a history maker when we look at his events, but we're trying to look into his heart what kind of person he was. And looking into his heart, we find there's this passionate love for God. And then as he had this passionate love for God, not only did God guide him and direct him in his life, but what he also did was he took on the characteristics of what God is like. So he didn't forget his friends. He honored those who honored the Lord. Come on, think about that. He honored those who honored the Lord. What kind of things have you done in the last year to express appreciation to those who you've seen act really well, do something really good, or have actually helped you get where you are? Think about that. Here's another thing that he did. He showed bigness of heart in welcoming people who had formerly served as enemy. See, King Saul was hounding him down, and these people served King Saul. And then what he did was this. He, he actually showed kindness to them and honored them and valued them. Now, it shows a bigness of heart if the people who once were against you, you can actually then still not react and reject and be bitter towards them, but actually include them in your future. That takes bigness of heart to do that, doesn't it? Most people, if you've been done the dirt, someone's really affected you or hurt you, that's it. You write them off, judge them. They're never going to come near you again. But do you have a heart big enough that if someone has hurt you, offended you, or done something that's upset you, that you can still be big enough to welcome them into your future when they look like they've made a change? In a, in a small town, what often happens, a small place like this, it's very hard to live past your mistakes. But people change. And these people who were against him initially have turned now and they're open to him and he's enlarged his heart to make room to include them. How inclusive are you? Do you have your little clickies of ones you're really close to or do you have a heart to reach out and gather up potentially other great people? And the thing you'll find with David that many people came to him. In fact, they came to him in their droves and he welcomed them, received them and raised them up to be loyal men, to be men of war, to be men who would shape the future 
if you're going to have a great destiny, you're going to need great people around you. Are you big enough to welcome into your life people who may have been difficult before? Can you think about that? I found that one of the dilemmas that all leaders face is this, is the difficulty of being big enough in heart to include into their world those who have leadership abilities or are challenging to them. If you only accept into your world the people who are nice to you, the people who you like, the people who personally you feel comfortable with, you have a small world. God has got a lot of other people he wants to bring into your world, but you've got to have a heart to embrace them and welcome them. Have you got a heart to do that? Or can you only bring in the ones you feel comfortable with? You'll stay very small and in your comfort zone instead of facing the challenges of bringing challenging people around you. So we all need people around us who are, who are big and who've got greatness in their life to help us. They stir us to get to where God wants us to get. And finally, we find that David waited patiently for the Lord to promote him. He didn't push himself to get where he wanted to get. He spent seven years in, in this place called Hebron. He spent seven years. He spent from the age, he was uh, age of about 30 to 37 in that period in Hebron. So he was able to wait for God to fulfill his promises. Most people today I find are impatient. They want it all and they want it now. And that song represents the spirit of the age. I want it all, I want everything, and I want it all now. And now you think, if you take on that mentality, think how that's going to affect every part of your life. I want it all, I want it now. How do you ever build good relationships? How do you ever build a relationship with God? How do you ever build financial strength and independence? I want it all, I want it. You can't with that mentality. David, he was able to wait patiently for the Lord. And many times in the Psalms, you say, learn to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. He will bring about everything he said. You don't have to strive and struggle and make it happen. He never had to fight to make himself king. What he did was he walked with the Lord and listened to him, and God got him there. See, it's a tremendous thing to be able to be patient. The Bible tells us, don't be lazy, but be a follower of those who through faith, trusting God, and through patience, receive the promises of God. Nothing comes quick in life. And so the world will offer you everything quick, and it tries to tempt you with things that are quick. And what happens if you buy into it, you actually lose sight of how God builds. He builds slowly, step by step, and he builds with your whole life in mind and with the next generation of mind. So, so, for some of, so when you're young, because all you want everything, you want it all now. But listen, if you can actually stand against that and wait patiently and persevere slowly and steadily towards your goals, you will outrun everyone. You will outrun everyone. The race does not go to the most gifted. So you look around you, maybe you feel insecure. This one's so gifted, this one's so gifted, this one's so gifted. Listen, at the end of the day, it won't be the gifted ones necessarily that actually shine and rise up to the top of the pile. It'll be the ones who had a plan, who trusted the Lord, and patiently and persistently worked towards they wanted to get. Well, think about that. Don't buy in to the current generation and how it thinks. Start to be a leader by just thinking and acting differently. Begin to get the heart of David around you. Passionate love for God. A caring heart for the people around him. A willingness to honor and value people who are helping him and part of his team. A willing to impart what he knew to others. A willingness to receive others who had strengths to add to him. A willingness to wait patiently for God to break through and bring him to where he was supposed to get. And the final thing that I see in the Bible about David was this. I mean, there's many other things, but when he did succeed... 
the first thing he wanted to do was to restore the presence of God to be the center of the nation. The first thing he wanted to do when he got to the place where God had got him king over heaven, not only over Judah, but eventually put him king over all of Israel. Listen, this is what he did. The first thing he wanted to do was this. He wanted to restore the presence of God to the center of the nation. In other words, he gave God the full honor and glory for getting him there. What an amazing man this man David is. Jesus was called the son of David because he had the same kind of characteristics and qualities. What kind of heart do you have? Do you have a heart that delights in the Lord? Do you have a heart that's faithful in the small things? Do you have a heart that can trust God to get you where he wants to get you? Do you have a heart that blesses and thanks the people around you that actually help you get where you get? Do you honor those who do well? Do you have room in your heart to include those who actually have gifts that could help you? And when you do get to the place of victory, when you've got that promotion, got that job, got that business, won that court, whatever it is, you get to that place, God is still first in your life. He didn't even act like a king when he got there. He just acted like someone still passionately in love with the Lord because being king was never his goal. To honor God and serve his generation was. Now, for you to serve your generation, learn to study these aspects of David and take on the same traits. Take on the same traits. Because you know what's going to happen? God wants to get you somewhere. There's a place he wants to get you. And God wants to raise you up into leadership because he has people for you to touch. But how can it happen? You've got to make the choice.